Hi, everyone, and welcome to Noise Violation Podcast. Today, we have a great guest, uh, Miss Becca Klein. She is a social worker here in Austin, Texas. Hey, Becca. Hi, Blake. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for being here and thank you for being on the show. Absolutely. So just to get a background of yourself, what what did you have to do to become a social worker? Um, so I had to go to grad school, get my MSW from there in Massachusetts, take two years of um, work and take an exam, then become mm-hmm. an independent licensure. Um, but you have to have a lot of empathy to be a social worker. Not everyone can do it. Yeah. What was your, did you always want to be a social worker? No. Um, out of grad school, I mean, out of college, I was looking at jobs and I couldn't find a job. And every mm-hmm. job I wanted required an MSW. Mm-hmm. So that's how what I kind of What is an MSW? Master's in social work. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And so what was your big motivation that aimed you towards social work? I'm really interested in families and children. Yeah. And then I went a completely different route after I worked with families and children. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't didn't like that as much anymore. Yeah. But in the future, I'll go back to there. And so what's your specialty now? I work with adults in the criminal justice system who have severe and persistent mental illnesses. Mm Mm-hmm. What kind of mental illnesses... Um, we work, it could be a plethora of things. So schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, major depression, PTSD. Um, a lot of the folks I work with have PTSD just from being in the criminal justice system. Mm -hmm. So incarceration, I worked with a gentleman, um, what's today, Sunday on Friday, who told me that he has seen people, um, get murdered while in jail or, you know, die by suicide. Oh my gosh. Um, so just, you know, trauma from that, experiences. And do you think the school prepared you for what you're doing no. today? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all about the experiences. So my internships. Mm-hmm. Um, so every year you have to have an, in- or at least in the grad school I went to, every year you had an internship. Mm-hmm. So those internships prepared me Yeah. Um, for being a social worker. Have you had any mentors that have helped you along the way? Yeah, so it's super important when you're a social worker to have a peer support group or supervisors or mentors to support you um, along the way for supervision because so much of the stuff, um, it's it's an important lesson to not bring it home with you. Mm -hmm. So I tend to not talk about my work when I come home. Um, Mm -hmm. I leave it in the office. Right. Um, So I use my supervisor's mentors to do that. Yeah, so that's got to be tough to kind of compartmentalize Mm -hmm. your life. Yeah, it takes a lot of, um, that's one thing, you know, you take a whole class in grad school on Mm self-care. So learning how to to do that because you're carrying so many other people's hope and baggage. Yeah, so what would be your advice for people um, who may have a difficult time at work and to let all that go and then come home? and Yeah, utilize your supports. What supports are those? Supervisors, your coworkers, your friends. Mm-hmm. Um, talk it out. Um, you can pay to have a supervisor. That's something we, um, I'm a supervisor myself, so that's something that I had to do 20 hours of training for. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so utilize people. Yeah, so finding people that are in similar situations or know what you're going through. or Yeah, they don't even have to know what you're going through. They could just be people that you can talk to and vent to. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, everybody's experience is unique. Right. And what do you think of the Austin homeless population? Are you mainly dealing with homeless people? I would say 50% are homeless. Mm-hmm. Um, and the it's horrendous here. Yeah. Um, we just don't have the resources. We have one to two shelters for male and female. Um, the down at the shelters, there's drugs, there's gangs. Um, it can be really scary for people. So a lot of folks would prefer to go to campsites. Yeah, it's just Um, like, that's just homeless community campsites that are just undocumented. And it's just, yeah, except now they're cleaning up those campsites. So where do those folks go? Right. It's really sad. And so were you supportive of Austin allowing them to pitch tents wherever mm-hmm. they want? Is that no, a, I wouldn't is that say wherever good? they want. I would say it has to be in a safe place. Mm-hmm. So do I think pitching a tent in a median on a highway is a safe place? No, because of all the drivers we have out there and what happens if they swerve off into the you know, into their campsite. Right. Do I think maybe finding a field mm-hmm. is an appropriate place for a campsite? Sure. Mm-hmm. Do I think that those campsites need to be monitored for litter or for... Um, People who, just for safety, absolutely. Same mm-hmm. with how everything else should be monitored. Yeah. And would they would they be open to that? Like open to, hey, you're restricted to this field? Or does the, do they listen or the, follow the rules of the city? I don't know. It depends on the person. Yeah. Um, maybe they might not even know what the, those rules are. I mean, a lot of these folks don't have phones or television sets. Right. Um, a lot of them might not even know that we have coronavirus going on right now. I don't know. Really? Yeah. They're just, I don't know. It's like they're living under a rock. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a tight community out there. And so what do you you help them with through the criminal justice system? So my biggest goal is to reduce recidivism. So to support these folks in not going back to jail. Mm -hmm. A lot of times they go back to jail because of um, their mental illness. So getting off medications, having a manic episode, let's say. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, having issues with anger. Um, So my whole... Or, you know, somebody's on a leg monitor and you can't um, go someplace without your parolee's permission, Mm -hmm. Uh, such as go to the food stamp office or go pick up your medications at CVS. So my role is to support them in, um, hi, sweet girl. (laughs) And are most of them... uh okay to be in public are they violent should oh, people no, be not worried like um so i mean the population i work with are people who do have assaultive histories sure that's when they're off their um mm, how do i want to say this it can be when they're off their medications sure mm-hmm. but a lot of it is with the people that they know it's not random right 
Because my thing is Austin has the the homeless shelter, the main one right mm -hmm. down our by our socialist part mm -hmm. of downtown. And so there's a congregation of sure. homeless people around, you know, drunk people and, and you know, partying people. And it just seems like a dangerous mix. Sure. Um, the shelter has curfew. So you have to be in the shelter, I think, by like 6 p.m. And then mm -hmm. they left you out around 6 a.m., I believe. I'm not quite sure of the exact time frame. So they try not to mm -hmm. allow that to happen. Mm -hmm. um, so I know that's a big talking point in Austin, whether they should yeah. move that to somewhere else, like outside of the downtown area, but then it's away from the homeless people that need right. the support. Well, because we also mm -hmm. have, you know, so many different um, resources right there. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Right next to the shelter. In San Antonio, what they do is they use an old department store. And within that old department store, they have shelters. They have all the resources right there. It's not near any bars or restaurants. Mm -hmm. So it's a one-stop shop. While in Austin, it's, you know, we have a resource up north. We have some resources downtown. We have some resources down on Manchac. Right. So it varies. So, yeah. And then, of course, you need out. a bus pass in order to get there. Mm -hmm. um, what does the city do? Do they give them bus passes or do they have the, to pay for it? The city doesn't. Um, we ha Or maybe they do. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But they have um, different resources like churches give out bus passes. Uh, my agency gives out bus passes. But the problem with the churches is that you have to get there at like 5 a.m. or depending on what time. And it's a lottery system. Mm, yeah. um, how are these folks supposed to get there at 5 a.m. when they don't have alarm clocks or they don't have cell phones to wake mm -hmm. them up? So it's setting up, setting these people up for failure. Yeah. Um, it's very it's, sad. So when you're walking down the street and you pass a homeless person, um, should you say anything to mm -hmm. them? Are they... Yeah, if you want to. I typically say hi. Mm -hmm. um, I once had a friend you know, make a comment to me about how somebody smelt. And yeah. I shut that down real fast. Um, they and told I, you you smelled? No, I'm sorry. My friend told me that the homeless person smelt. Oh, yeah. And I was like, nope, that's not, that's not appropriate. <laughs> um, let's talk about all the reasons why they may have some body odor. Like, mm. Let's talk about the lack of hygiene products that they have access to. Let's talk about the lack of showers. Let's talk about possibly the mental illness component and the delusional beliefs about showering or maybe somebody's depressed and they don't want to shower. Mm -hmm. um, so I try to do my part in educate my friends. Mm -hmm. um, to be more understanding of their situation. Yeah, be more mindful. Definitely. It's, um, yeah. I mean, we're all human. So we all need to treat each other like humans. Yeah. Kind of my motto. Do you see a, any current thread that might lead somebody down that pathway? Or is it all unique cases that It's all unique, up? but I would say a big thread is just not having access to the resources or not having access to your medications. Mm -hmm. um, in Travis County, we have a program called MAP. But even on MAP, there's a lot of, um, which is a health insurance prescription plan, but even on MAP, there's barriers to getting medications. Like you have to actually get to the pharmacy. You have to know what you're taking. Um, a lot of my homeless individuals 
they have a hard time holding on to their medications mm-hmm. or they have a hard time with having their belongings stolen yeah. so they don't have their medications. And a lot of the medications are also sedating. So mm-hmm. they don't like taking their medications because they need to be on alert all the time mm-hmm. um, when they're homeless or they're out in the world. And so how does that homeless person turn it around and go get out of that cycle that they're in and start being a good, normal uh, person of society? Person of society, yeah. Um, It depends what that person is capable of doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of great resources. There's Goodwill. Goodwill offers jobs to a lot of these folks. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's hard for somebody to have a job when their basic needs aren't being met. Mm-hmm. So basic needs as in, you know, shelter, food, hygiene, um, right. medications. And I also heard that they need like addresses or a phone number to apply on job applications. Absolutely and true. Yeah. It's like they don't have, they don't even have that. They need a fo- like, well, how are they going to get called in for an interview? Mm-hmm. Um, amazingly, a lot of places will do everything by email, but like the population I work with, they don't even know how to work a computer. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, or how to work a phone. I have a lot of employees that (laughs) (laughs) still don't know how to work a computer. Yeah, 100%. So, um, you know, that's kind of where my job is, helping people set up email accounts and helping them check their emails when they come in and Mm -hmm. um, letting them know the resources of the library or Goodwill has, um, or Texas Workforce. I have a client right now who is working for them, Mm -hmm. um, which is awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Just yeah. to see so a lot of your job is to educate them and providing the support, encouragement, provide the support, encouragement for mm-hmm. them to get on their feet yep. and, and live a normal life. Yeah, and treat them with respect. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of these folks haven't been treated with respect or haven't had the support. Um, so that's where I can come in as yeah. well. So is there concern about since the coronavirus is going on mm-hmm. and a lot of the people in the service industry are getting laid off, bartenders, waitresses, um, a bunch of different people are losing their jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I imagine that, I'm hopefully not, but some of them may become homeless um, mm. or don't have the resources to pay for their rent. Yeah. Um, would you say that the state's uh, capable of handling more homeless? Or is there resources? No, we don't have enough shelters. Mm -hmm. That's why a lot of folks living out on campsites or on park benches or at the bus stops. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, psychiatric emergency services in Austin, I mean, we just closed down our respite facilities for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, which is um, like an emergency shelter for people experiencing crises because of the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, God help everybody out there because yeah. the resources are limited. And I tell my clients this every day, like in Texas, the resources are limited. Yeah, so y'all are already stretched thin on mm-hmm. what you can provide to people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I come from Massachusetts where... Most of my clients had housing, 
and the shelters were very easy to get into at night. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's very different down here. Do y'all ever study like San Francisco or LA to see how they're handling it? Where it seems like it's ten times worse there. Yeah. Um, do you think what they're doing is good? Kind of being a sanctuary, which almost it seems like it encourages people to go there because they know they're going to get more taken care of or they're not going to get hassled as much. People need help. Yeah. Um, and I think it's a compliment that people want to come to Austin, Travis County. People get are told, go to Austin, Travis County, but we don't have the resources here, but sometimes people feel like we do because we're the nation, we're the, not the nation, the capital. Um, I don't know what to say about San Fran or L.A. Um, I've never noticed that. I've had, had clients who have gotten bus tickets to go to San Francisco and mm-hmm. not return. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, because I feel like Austin is getting that reputation, like you talked about, saying, hey, we're, we're encouraging it, or we allowed the tents to get set up, and so it, there's just more people coming here, mm-hmm. and unless we're prepared for it, then it's just going to get worse. Mm-hmm, and it has. Um, and I know that there are people working diligently to find low-income housing, I know that there's more people creating it. I know someone who creates tiny homes mm-hmm. um, for things like this. Um, there's the Community First Village out there. Are you familiar with that one? No. Oh, I'll a, take you on a tour. Yeah, please explain. <laughs> the. <laughs> yeah, Community First Village is, I took my friends there one night. It's, um, it's um, a community where there's a bunch of tiny homes and the people can, and you have to have been previously homeless to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have like, you know, bathrooms for everybody. They have, it's just a fantastic place to live. Um, so. And is that like where you have to work in the community? Yes. To- you have to, um, it's kind of like a kibbutz in a way in Israel. Mm-hmm. So everybody kind of works for their stay. And is that a good model? Does that I work love it. well? Yeah, the people who live there love it. They have a very low turnover rate. Oh, and they great. just opened up a second phase, so they're building more and more there. Yeah. And you can live in an RV or a tiny home or a teepee. It's, like, so cool. Mm-hmm. Because I was always under the conception that it was, like, they couldn't live in a structured um, society or they didn't have the motivation to oh. No, to do it. Um, no, they just the, the, sometimes, especially when you're coming out of the criminal justice system, they just throw you onto the street. Or there could have been. Um, I have a client whose um, whole family died in a motor vehicle accident, and he is um, just his whole life got shattered. So he's homeless now because of that. Oh my god! So it's yeah. just it, there's just so many different circumstances. Um, somebody spent had to spend all their money on hospital bills. We just don't mm-hmm. know what someone's circumstances. Maybe somebody's too mentally ill to be able to stay in a home. Mm-hmm. We just don't know. Um, right, and I guess the people who are motivated to live like that seek those resources, and mm-hmm. um, sometimes they need some support. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and so. As you're driving and you pull up to the stoplight and you see the homeless person there, 
with the sign and they ask for money or food or um, should we give them money? Is that it's a totally good thing? It's totally up to you. Yeah, um, if you would like to. I typically, I haven't in a while, but I would carry around granola bars to provide granola bars to folks. Mm-hmm. Um, it's totally up to you. Some people use that money yeah. in a good way. Some people don't. It's all about survival, really. Right. And yeah. what do people need to do to survive? Yeah. Make money. Mm-hmm. I heard a lot of those people can make like, you know, 70 grand a year. Wow. Just because. Probably the wrong field. <laughs> yeah. Tax-free. I know, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like. They're hustling, though. Mm-hmm. It's a different kind of hustle. It is a different kind of hustle. Um, and they're doing what they know what to do. Right. They're surviving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're very fortunate that we um, are not in that situation right now. Yeah. Yeah, and then it scares me, just everyone getting laid off, that there's going to be more of it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, hopefully President Trump will save the day. <laughs> He's doing what he can. He's doing what he can. And do you think, um, have anyone mentioned the coronavirus to you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I talk to all my clients about the coronavirus right now because I think it's important for them to know, for them to know how to take care of themselves. Um it's scary, especially for those folks who are out there and they don't have a home to quarantine to. Right, because they're living in these communities that are very unsanitary. Mm-hmm. They can um, be, yeah. So how do they wash their hands? Exactly. How do they, how so do we have Purell we can give them. Um, you know, there's... It's hard. It's hard. We're very fortunate to be able to go to a home and quarantine while these folks are on the street streets so they aren't able to quarantine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what do they need? What's the best thing an average person, mm. you know, listening to this could could do to help out the community? It would be nice to make up maybe some care packages. So whether that's like a soap, bar of soap, you know, a toothbrush, toothpaste, socks, mm-hmm. dry socks, um, Purell, some, yeah. you know, hotel size shampoos. That's... People really appreciate that. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Some granola bars. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And so what do you get out of out of helping? Do you get a reward? Like a internal reward oh. saying like <laughs> that you know, you're helping out, you're yeah. doing what you can. My reward is for those clients that come back. I know I'm doing something right when the clients come back Mm -hmm. Um, or when they make the littlest of changes in their life. So whether that means that their depression goes from an 8 out of 10 to a 6 out of 10, Mm -hmm. something is going well for them. It doesn't have to be a tangible reward such as housing, Um, but it could be that their depression has decreased or now that they're able to take their medications. or they ate that day, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so how do you measure those depression levels? Do, they, do you come in there and ask them how mm-hmm. they're doing? Yeah. How are you doing? What's your depression level today? What do you yes. need to get from a six, from an eight to a six? Yeah. So what's but, the typical first meeting? Somebody comes mm-hmm. and meets with you. 
can you walk us through what yeah. what you do? So introduce myself, kind of explain my background, and it's it's this is the client session, so whatever the client wants to talk about, mm -hmm. um, what goals they want to work on, um, how, what their plan is to reach their goal, mm -hmm. um, and then I'm kind of the um, the client is the expert on themselves always. Like we're the expert on ourselves. I can't mm. tell you how to live your life. I can't tell someone else how to live their life, but I can provide resources. I can provide um, coaching. Mm -hmm. um, it also depends where the client is at in their stage of change. Right. So, so does mm -hmm. the client want to make changes or is the client comfortable? Like I have clients that come in all the time who are daily heroin users and they're not interested in making change. Mm -hmm. that, if, if I agree or I don't agree with that, that's okay. It's mm -hmm. on the client. Mm -hmm. So are they just coming to you to check a box for the, sometimes. to receive support? Or like, sometimes. Sometimes know. they want to be here. Sometimes they don't. How can you tell the difference between somebody who's doing that and somebody who's actually wanting to make a change? In the conversation. If they are making the efforts, if they tell me this is what I did this week, because I also provide sometimes provide homework assignments. Okay. You know, um, a lot of my homework assignments include doing something nice for themselves. Yeah. So whether they're able to um, achieve that, or you know, helping them change their thought processes. Yeah. What would be one of those homework assignments? Can you give an example? Sure. Um, you know, utilizing their coping skills. So. Um, Rather than getting angry and punching a wall, you know, let's change that to punching a pillow. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. baby steps. Right, yeah, you can keep punching. Right, baby Punch. steps. And then, you know, after they're punching their pillows, then we'll talk about maybe punching the air or, punch, you know, or then they will talk to more about, you know, what else can we do besides punching? Can we take deep breaths? Can we mm -hmm. do whatever we need to do? Have you ever had somebody be violent with you or? Um, <laughs> um, I've had or... threats. Mm -hmm. Recently, I had someone threaten me, um, and you can never take those threats personally. Mm -hmm. um, I just say to myself, it must be really hard to be them right now. What can we do to support them? Yeah. Yeah. You just got to have, just let it bounce off you. Yeah, but again, safety is number one. So is that person safe to come meet with me right now? Probably not. Is mm -hmm. it best for to assign them a new case manager? Probably. Yeah, so after that. You probably don't meet with the person again. Yeah, it depends, like, what kind of threats they make. <laughs> um, someone recently threatened to punch me in the head. Who doesn't even know who I am? So that was... I'm not <laughs> yeah. going to introduce myself to that person right now because they're not in a good space. <laughs> yeah. So that's a story for another day. <laughs> <laughs> wow, getting punched in the head. Yeah, a lot of it, expletives too. So, you're one tough cookie. It's true. It's true. But yeah, um, overall, it's hard work being a social worker, but it's also um, takes um, a lot of empathy and um, just hard work. So, do you think it's a. Uh would you tell other people to get into it? Sure. Yeah? Yeah. It's fun. It's fun? It's fun. It's hard. It's fun. Um, Was it what you thought it would be when you're going into it? 
No. I don't I don't know what I was thinking. Um I had a I had a good friend who um was in social work school with me for about three weeks and she decided it wasn't for her. Yeah. Um <laughs> and so um I kept going because I knew it, this was the right career path for me. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, what years? 2020, I started in 2010. So 10 years later, I'm still here. And I'll probably still be here till I'm 70 years old and retired. Wow. So you really love it. I do. I do. And it, and it pays the bills. Some people say it doesn't, but it does. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth the student loans. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's worth the student loans. <laughs> Yeah. So. And do you think Austin is handling it good? Do you think they should be doing something else or better? We need more shelters. We need more shelters to support these folks. We need more social workers out there to support these folks. Um, Once people have somewhat stable housing, that's when they can start making changes to their lives. Mm-hmm. It's hard when you don't know where you're going to be sleeping that night. Mm-hmm. Um, so you think that's the main that is that problem was solved, and they could, you know, put an address on their resume, get a job, start getting mail, have a safe place to keep their medications, have safe places. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And so to. Would that be the state building that? Would that be private industries? I mean, probably the state, the or the or the county. I'm mm-hmm. not sure though. Mm-hmm. I don't get into the politics. I just work for them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, the homeless population in Austin, because I've always thought that it's like you know just don't talk to them just walk by and Mm -hmm. then they won't won't bug you but Mm -hmm. I also heard like stories of them harassing people Mm -hmm. and then it's like it just seems like they they've been dealt a bad hand Mm -hmm. and I need to show more empathy for them Mm -hmm. but also they do things that yeah. You know, they shouldn't be doing mm-hmm. at the same time. I view that as that they are getting their needs met. Whether mm-hmm. we agree with them, getting their needs met that way. Um, so maybe harassing others have worked for them. Right. So maybe that's how they get the money that they want. Mm-hmm. Um, they are doing what they know what to do. Um, it could be that they haven't eaten in two days and they're hangry. <laughs> like, we just <laughs> yeah. don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, even if somebody were to harass me on the streets, I'd still be pleasant to them. Yeah. I think that's the nice thing to do. What about if they started their own city mm-hmm. and then they all had a place to live would it be too much if it's like all the same people like living it's like australia was a really it was a they sent all the inmates to australia oh i did know this yes and then they started an island there 
What if they just shipped all the homeless people to an island? As long as they have the resources there. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Because it's one thing to ship them there, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's not. I mean that's kind of what they're doing with the community first village. Because I have a lot of empathy for them, mm-hmm. but I also want my communities safe. Sure. I want, you know, my streets to be clean. I want. Well, I think also. I don't want to see the garbage and. But also, like I think that the government puts a lot of shame on the homeless population, while your everyday population also commits these crimes. So it's all up in the news if a homeless man assaults mm-hmm. somebody, but then there's three other things in the news about somebody assaulting other people and they're housed. Mm-hmm. So I think that the news, the press, the government just puts so much more on the homeless. Yeah. It doesn't matter if they're homeless or not. Yeah, but it's like they're in front of the public every day. It's right. like you can see them. Right. You can see the garbage on the streets. But you can see the tents. I also see people like, litter all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, just the other day I was walking by and somebody missed a trash can and didn't seem to care. And mm-hmm. she did not look. She looked like she had a home to go to. <laughs> yeah. So I think um, the tents, I understand. It makes the city look not so cute. I get that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also a place for people to live. Maybe if the city had more shelters to go to and safe shelters, then we wouldn't have that issue. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, other cities, they don't build anything, right? How does Houston or Dallas, do you ever look at other cities mm-hmm. and no, they don't. see how they handle it? Mm-mm. I know, I know I'm familiar with San Antonio. Mm-hmm. And they have like a big department store that they utilize yeah. as their shelter. What would you say to somebody who says like doing that encourages just all the people to come? Then let them come. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if we have the resources, it means. Yeah. I so mean, this- people need to live too. Mm-hmm. People need to live. Um, I don't think it brings more violence. I think it, you know, it shows that we're a great city to live in. Yeah, that's awesome. You're so caring. You know, it's true, Blake. <laughs> My mom would agree with you. Mm-hmm. So. What did, did your, do you know anyone in your family that does social work? Did you just... Yeah, so my bubby, which is grandma in Yiddish, was a psychologist. And then I have um, two cousins who are social workers. We mm-hmm. all graduated at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I got a lot of my bubby's um, hand-me-downs. Okay. Like resources. Did she do something similar to what you're doing? She did more indip- individual therapy versus case management. Mm-hmm. What is individual therapy? Um, therapy with someone. Um, so like supporting people and their, the stressors that are going on in their life for wanting to make changes, similar to what I'm doing, but I'm doing more so not cognitive behavioral. I'm doing more so case management. Mm-hmm. So, so helping people access the resources because they're more so in crisis. Yeah. Can we take a break? 
You don't have to go on for an hour. This is <laughs> well, exhausting. I just texted you to talk about mental illness. What about mental illness? Just it's so interesting. That's good. Different. You want to come in? Hi, everyone. <laughs> so we're a live audience. Wait, Erica, you can't Live audience. Now live. I'm Blake's girlfriend. <laughs> um, I wanted Becca to talk about mental illness and different diagnosis like borderline or schizophrenia, or like when people say like commit suicide, like Becca has a strong opinion on that. Um, so just like talking about like what kind of symptoms they show and um, the importance that people understand kind of what they're going through. Or like if you see someone on the street just like talking to themselves and you're like, what? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't know what the percentage is of people who live on the streets are who have um, a mental illness or what mental illness is the majority of them having, but a big one would be the diagnosis of schizophrenia. So with schizophrenia, it is a thought, it's known as a thought disorder where people have a combination of hallucinations, whether that be auditory or visual, um, delusional beliefs, mm -hmm. so thinking um, certain things are true when they're in reality they're really not um as well as just your typical um confusion or disorientation or um, not making much sense um a lot of people with schizophrenia also have what we call negative symptoms so those are the positive symptoms so things that you can see and then we have negative symptoms such as you know flat affect depression um things in that nature so folks um, who have schizophrenia have a hard time holding down a job because they aren't able to tell what is reality versus what is not reality. Mm -hmm. A lot of my clients experience, um, I would say, auditory hallucinations, so hearing of voices. So these voices are what I'm going to talk about as command hallucinations, so voices telling them to end their life, voices telling them to hurt other people, hurt Where themselves. Where do those voices come from? It's a, it's a chemical imbalance in their brain. Um, sometimes a lot of people with schizophrenia do have a history of trauma in their life. So it could be brought on by trauma. It could be brought on by drugs use. Is it their own voice telling it in their own voice? Oh, I heard saying. Not necessarily, no. Like consciousness or the narrative that's like, going on? And that is sometimes like something voice. that I do make sure I talk to my clients about where I'm saying, is this your own inner voice or is this a completely different other voice? Um, I know some people, I've met with some people who are misdiagnosed with schizophrenia because they have a hard time differentiating between their own inner voice versus a non-notory hallucination. Scary. It's very scary and it's sad. Um, and medication can do wonders. Um, in grad school, I met with a professor she was a guest speaker in one of my classes, and she had the diagnosis of schizophrenia. But with medication, she's able to be a professor and teach mathematics, which is pretty rad. That's great. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty awesome. Um, then we have the diagnosis of bipolar disorder, which are two extremes. One is depression, where you um, really stay in bed. You're suicidal, um, or you can be suicidal. You um, 
lack your ADLs, don't, don't care, versus the opposite end, which is mania. Um, a lot of people misunderstand what mania is, where they're saying, a lot of people will say, oh, they're just being bipolar with mood swings, but that's not what mania is. Mania is the very high end of um, possibly delusional beliefs. Um, you know, I interned in a psych unit in college where we had a client, a patient in the lobby where she had was experiencing mania and she would do laps and laps and laps and every few minutes she'd go to her room and change and then come back and do laps and laps. It's high impulsivity, whether that's in sexual activity, spending money, um, making rash choices without thinking through the consequences. Um, I have one. I had one client who was in sixty thousand dollars worth of debt due to a um, manic episode, where they just again the reality testing is not there. Is the manic is is there like a certain time for like how long you're depressed and how long you're man manic? So, is it like a switch? Like it just happens? Like mm -hmm. well, I'm ready to go? <laughs> no, it's not typically a switch. Typically, it's gradual. Mm -hmm. It definitely depends on the person, though. But it's fascinating. Um, so that's why I always like to educate people where people are saying, like, I'm bipolar or I'm. And I always like to educate them. I was like, well, like, let's talk about that. Have you ever experienced X, Y and Z through the manic? And they haven't. Um, the problem is, is that a lot of insurances, the medications for bipolar disorder work for mood instability. So a lot of people are misdiagnosed with bipolar just to get those medications because that's what works for them. So that can be an issue. So does it irritate you when people are like, oh, I'm so bipolar. Yeah, so it does. Bipolar. Because it's not accurate. Um, and it's just using that word when it's not, it's not accurate. <laughs> um, and then, yeah. What was the other one? The suicide. Yes. So... Um, I took a training back in Boston a couple of years ago, and it was one of the best trainings I've ever had. And it was about um, using the words um, someone someone committed suicide because committing suicide means that you committed a sin. Um, using the word commit sounds like it's a bad thing. So I have changed my lingo to died by suicide to be very similar to died by cancer or died by um, however else people die by. Die by old age. Old age. Yeah, I was like, I was about to say long age, old age. Um, so I always like to educate people if I hear um, by modeling my language. So I always like to say, have you ever attempted to um, die by suicide? Have you known anyone to have died by suicide? Um, or if you and I are talking and you say, oh, this person um, committed suicide, I will not say, oh, actually, you're wrong. I would just say, oh, yeah, that's so sad that they died by suicide. So modeling that language is really important. So if you're in Walmart and you're just minding your own business and you see someone having a full-out conversation with themselves and mm -hmm. they feel like yelling but like mm -hmm. no one else is there, what do you do? I would just do nothing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because... Um, do they know you're looking at them? Do they know people are looking at them? Do they know It that? depends on the person. It depends on the person. Um, sometimes when you're wrapped up in your 
own reality, it's hard to know what's real and what's not. So I might not even be there to them. Um, my role is not to embarrass other people. So if that would be embarrassing and if that person is being safe, then I would not do anything. Yeah. However, there have been times where I have seen other people um, say, rush out into traffic because they're hearing voices or that's what their command auditory hallucinations are telling them. Um, so just the other day I had to call 911 on someone because from my office building we saw somebody run out into traffic. So that's obviously not But I think you should safe. know what you're doing before you interrupt somebody or so what, you, what do you mean know what you're doing? Like if you if you're not trained like you are mm. and you go talk to somebody who's oh, saying, like yeah. talking to themselves mm -hmm. or like having a conversation with themselves, I mean you could easily get hurt or yeah. like make things worse if sure. you don't know what you're doing. And if it's not gonna be beneficial, then why do it? Right. Yeah. Um, if that person is being perfectly safe and they're just doing their shopping while talking and arguing with somebody, go ahead and let them talk and argue with themselves or with whoever they're talking with. Um, it's, it's all about safety. And there's that person being safe. But then the other thing to think about also is the drug use. Because we have so many drugs now that mimic the diagnoses of schizophrenia, bipolar, with the mania. Um, we have K2 and no one knows what K2 does. Um, back home we had a client who dug up the neighbor's backyard because he heard dogs barking from underneath the ground. And like prior to K2 I would say, wow, that person must have been, you know, really psychotic. They must have been experiencing schizophrenia. However, um, nope, they were on K2. <laughs> So it mimics that, um, those symptoms as well. What does it mean when someone, when they say somebody's psychotic? Mm -hmm. Is that another form of like schizophrenia? Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Is it like a mind state? Is it a chemical? It's a chemical imbalance. It's an imbalance? Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, okay. It's hard because I've never experienced it. Right? Mm -hmm. It would yeah. be really cool, though, if I could have. I guess I could do drugs, but then that would just be really bad. <laughs> 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 I don't want to do that. Um, but, yeah, when somebody's psychotic, it could mean that they're experiencing delusional beliefs. So a delusional belief could mean many, many different things. It could mean um, there's, like, you know, 20-plus types of delusional beliefs. So some very popular some popular ones are grandiose beliefs. So believing that you are a superhero or believing that you are, I, um, for some reason, Kurt Cobain is a popular <laughs> one with a few of my clients. It's, it's interesting. They think they're Kurt Cobain? Yes. Yes. Mm, interesting. Yes. And then there's other delusional beliefs such as, um, this was a frequent one for a lot of people, but back home in our group homes in Boston, we had several clients who had these delusional beliefs that people were raping them in the middle of the night. Mm, yeah. um, clearly that's not true. Mm -hmm. um, you know, being paranoid, feeling like other people are up to get them, that's a type of delusional belief. So there's so many different types of beliefs out there. Um, mm -hmm. so, so 
how do you know if somebody's telling the truth or they're being delusional? Sometimes it's really hard. Um, absolutely. Like I have a client who says he's a rock star. Maybe he is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, it's really interesting. It's great. Yeah, it's, it's really yeah. interesting stuff. Yeah, well, I want to thank you, Becca, for all the work that you do. Thank you, Blakey, for having me on the show. Being such a caring person and doing your part to help people who really need help. I think it's a great quality that you have and Thanks. that everyone should have. And so um, thank you for sharing your your work and your expertise and your experiences with everyone. Uh, hopefully somebody got something out of that and they see the homeless people differently than, mm. you know, without the stigma that, yeah. that comes with it. And to know that there are actual people that, that need help and resources, I think what you're doing is, is great. So I want to thank you for that, Becca, and thank you for being thank on you. the podcast. Thank you. Good luck with um, your podcast. Yeah, I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs>